0: Welcome, amazing listeners, to another episode of the Security Token Show. I'm your host, Kyle Sondland, with my co-host, Herwood Konings, as always, and we're going to be covering last week's industry news, security token offerings, and secondary market updates, as well as our main topic today, which is how security tokens can't ever be lost. Hello,
1: everyone, and glad to be here. Before we dive into the news, though, let's start off the show as we always do by spotlighting two organizations with our Company of the Week awards. So, who do you have
0: this week for episode 61, Kyle? For me, in episode 61, which does feel so good to say, doesn't it? Real estate issuance platform Reno had a huge announcement last week. Now live, accredited investors can invest in tokenized U.S. commercial real estate. The platform will allow investment into commercial real estate for as little as $5,000. On top of the exciting developments there, the firm also developed a solution to provide immediate liquidity to investors during that 12 month lockup period. So listen to this. So we know that with Reg D and with Reg S, there is lockup periods. There's six month lockup period for Reg S, 12 month for Reg D. And so Reno has actually developed a model that allows them to instantly approve loans that are backed by the tokens that you just invested in. So the loan to value ratio is dependent on the property that you invest in. I think there's five that they're going live with uh, right away, but it's generally between 60 to 85% of what your investment was. So this means you can immediately get a loan of up to 85% immediately after investing that is then collateralized by your tokenized property. So this is revolutionary stuff and incredibly innovative from the Reno team. And we've spoken with the Reno team in the past and I'm very impressed with the, what they've built. In fact, we actually do also have an interview with CEO Victor Viktorov on our blog if you'd like to read more about what they're building. So congratulations to Reno for not only launching a great product, but innovating on top of it. And that's my company of the week for this week.
1: Wow, Kyle, really great show. Uh, Reno, that's R-E-I-N-N-O. Um, real, really amazing stuff that they're doing. You know, Of course, real estate investment opportunities for accredited investors over the last couple of years have been flourishing from different portals. But what, what Reno has done here is really unique and a great use case of tokenization. It'll immediately be able to use that now as a collateral to get a short form of liquidity during that lockup period or just in general. I mean, that's a fantastic use case. Absolutely can't wait to see how that gets adopted. Congratulations to the Reno team.
0: Yeah, one of those examples of trying to blend some of those DeFi concepts that we've been talking about in terms of decentralized lending and collateralizing with your assets. It's fantastic stuff. It's the future, man. How about you, Erwig? Well, Kyle, a few companies, you know, have been
1: considered company of the week winners twice on Mm -hmm. the show. And in order to qualify for company of the year, you need to be nominated at least once. Totally Mm -hmm. right. Well, that's why you might be surprised to hear that for the first time this year and the second time on the show, T-Zero is winning company of the week. This time for being FINRA approved for their own retail broker dealer subsidiary. So what does this mean exactly? I'm sure many of you are saying T0 is live and trading already, and of course, yes, they are. Uh, but they're doing it through a broker-dealer partner called Dinosaur Financial. And so up until now, T-Zero's broker-dealer wasn't approved to offer direct financial services to retail customers, or as CEO Sam Norsolehi says it in the press release, quote, through T-Zero markets, we will establish a direct relationship with our customers while also offering a streamlined experience for onboarding and trading digital securities. We expect T-Zero markets... To launch its services in a couple of months. So, this is a big deal because T0 is in the frontline discussions with the SEC about all of this stuff, which means this isn't just a big victory for T0, but a big step for the industry as the SEC validates that security token markets are allowed and will be approved if done correctly, as T0 has done here. So it'll also be nice for T-Zero not to have to redirect all its customers to a third party. So I'm looking forward to that new and improved platform launch. Hopefully by the end of the year, we'll see. So for this major accomplishment, I have to
0: give T-Zero my company of the week award, Kyle. That's fantastic. I know they did their ICO or their security token offering. They kind of, the terminology was weird back then, but they did their security token offering in 2017. They raised a ton of money and a lot of this was promised on the building of of a lot of these legal components and the the regulatory components that were needed to operate a full stack broker dealer and marketplace and so with this approval i actually think this might be the last regulatory hurdle that t-zero really was waiting on it seems like from here it may be all upside in terms of of them opening operations and trying to provide some of those more financial services Instead of needing to rely on spending all this time getting those licenses, we know how arduous that process is. It also often requires back and forths with the SEC and with these regulators to to have things approved and to make sure that everybody's on the same page. So congratulations. This is awesome news. A great pick, Herwig. Thanks, Kyle. And let's get into the news now. But before
1: we do, I want you all to know that the articles we cover on this show, they're sourced from stomarket.com slash news. And they're also available for your reference in the about description of the podcast itself wherever you're listening, or of course, always on the Security Token Show medium blog, whenever you want to read more into these news articles for yourself. So Let's get into it. Kicking things off this week is Nigeria, where the Nigerian SEC came out with a statement pretty much blanket covering all cryptocurrencies and tokens as securities. Specifically, they say, quote, all digital asset token offerings, initial coin offerings, security token ICOs, and other blockchain-based offers of digital assets within Nigeria or by Nigerian issuers or sponsors or foreign issuers targeting Nigerian investors shall be subject to the regulation of the commission. Existing digital asset offerings prior to the implementation of the regulatory guidelines will have three months to either submit The initial assessment filing or documents with registration proper as the case may be. So they also follow up to this by saying the issuer will have an opportunity to provide proof that their token should not be considered a security, but until approved by regulators, it will be considered as such. And so Kyle, this is a very broad definition of security tokens the the government and the regulators have taken here because this is encompassing sort of a a catch-all type approach that later then sorts out the tokens after the fact to eventually be declassified from their security token status, if proven uh, you know, to the uh, government, including I think for the likes of Bitcoin and other scenarios as is the case now. So we'll see how the crypto community and security token communities alike in Nigeria react. And it seems like the regulators around the world are paying attention to the security token advisors research article from last week that stated over 15 countries have now defined security tokens. Uh, Now, Switzerland has also announced some updates. Now, obviously, I'm joking, but in this case, Switzerland uh, had already defined security tokens back in 2018, but they've gone a step further, possibly in the wake of Germany and France's similar recent actions, which is now they've passed a law that allows blockchain-based registries for securities. So you see, you know, the, the distinguishment in 2018 between ICOs and SCOs was clear and important. But now the country's legislators have passed a law that allows issuers to use a blockchain-based registry as an ownership tracking solution. This is how many security tokens operate today around the world. In fact, a majority of them uh, you know, use a digital representation of the ownership interest. But the ownership interest itself is still actually tracked in the analog format uh, that consists uh, in most frameworks today. But digital does not mean blockchain, and now in Switzerland, an issuer's registry can be based on the blockchain of the same legal entitlement as the digital or physical stock certificate equivalent uh, you know, on the analog backend side. So you know, if, if all of that is a little confusing, I apologize, but I would say take away this message. Switzerland is now the most progressive nation when it comes to defining and treating security tokens. I would actually say it's a golden standard model in my opinion, and that all countries around the world should try to follow this. And an update on the SushiSwap saga that I brought up last week regarding the anonymous founder of the fork of a decentralized exchange protocol from Uniswap that is called SushiSwap, which at one point in time actually had more liquidity than Uniswap itself. Uh, And well, as I said last week, the anonymous founders sold their interest for a cool 13 million in gains for their work which of course had the community up in arms for what is seen as a betrayal due to Chef Nomi, as his moniker goes, due to Chef Nomi not having a vested interest in SushiSwap succeeding anymore. So to update you on this story, you know, as a true mensch, Chef Nomi returned all the money and now has requested that the community decide how much he should be compensated and that he intends to continue to support the project. So honestly, I did not see this one coming, Kyle. Uh, but you did say it best. You know, no one wants an army of hackers
0: coming after <laughs> you for the rest of your life. So smart move, Chef Nomi. Also to be added, I think they actually handed off the the reins of Sushi Swap they to yeah. SBF Almeida. I believe is is the handle of the of the guy that's running that now. So Chef Nomi is still potentially providing support, but does seem to still kind of want to cash out. I think. He wants the community to decide, at least. (laughs) Nice guy. Uh, But
1: let's reel it back into security tokens now and move into company announcements. Starting with the 62nd largest bank in the world, Commerce Bank in Germany appointing Benjamin Duve as the new head of digital assets for the bank. So the bank has almost half a trillion dollars in assets under management and Benjamin, who's a 13 year veteran with the bank, will be exploring new opportunities and blockchain and digital assets alongside running its custody branch. So very interesting combination of roles there likely will mean that commerce bank entering into the space potentially with some custody solutions in the future, who knows? And the timing isn't strange either as Germany recently proposed a similar law that Switzerland just passed to allow for blockchain-based registries for securities. So good luck in your new role, Benjamin. And MasterCard had a major announcement too, saying that they've created a sandbox for central bank digital currency testing and development, CBDCs. This great article in Forbes by Vipin Barathon covers the press announcement in thorough detail, and I think he sums it up best for why MasterCard is doing this when he says in quote, The pitch is that the platform will give even the most unsophisticated central bank a turnkey technical sandbox, which will allow experimentation. Most certainly, it will give MasterCard insight into the models, use cases, and the thinking of the central banks and other players, giving them valuable market intelligence. Additionally, they may be able to influence the direction of the CBD solution. The CBDC sandbox will be backed at the edge of MasterCard terminals for customer interaction. So that's a whole ecosystem that MasterCard is opening up there. And clearly they have their eye on tokenization technology, specifically stable coins and CBDCs, it appears. And finally, RedBlock Capital, the Chinese blockchain VC uh, firm which uh, you know security token market did an interview with in June with co-founder Gemma Shu last week announced a partnership with Chinese media company block technology. So they say the two parties will bring together their resources to jointly establish a digital asset research institute and will focus on providing quality analysis and market insights into asset tokenization and will work with portfolio projects on market intelligence as well as incubating select early state projects in the security token space, which I think is super cool. We're looking forward to hearing more about all of that as they establish this program. And moving into our opinions and resources section, we're kicking off with securities.io interview series with Baxter Hines, who is the author of Digital Finance, Security Tokens, and Unlocking the Blockchain. So now this book isn't out yet, but available for pre-order and is slated for release in mid-November if you're interviewed. But this interview is a great sneak peek at Baxter's thoughts on the industry, especially given his experience as a CFA and as a co-founder of Honeycomb Digital Investments, which, you know, invests and manages portfolios of security tokens and other alternative investments so go meet Baxter people and finally a great opinion article on the next step in the evolution of finance in the Jerusalem post by Ariel Shapira which came out obviously talking about security tokens specifically walking us through a brief history and the emergence of security tokens on a feature on INX which is an Israeli company so some nice covers for security tokens on INX there check that out if you're curious and that's all I have for you today news-wise, but there is one industry event coming up, so I'll just quickly cover that. And that event is a digital roundtable. It's the third, actually, by Austrian Private Equity and Venture Capital Association, or AVCO, which has gathered together a great panel of people for the topic discussion of Is Tokenization a Game Changer in Financing Startups and SMEs? And it features industry leaders like Valerie Halter of Curio Invest, Christoph Cannenberger of Apex Ventures, Bernard Blaha of Cryptics AG, and many more. So that's on September 30th at 11 a.m. Eastern, and you can register on Eventbrite for free. So check that out. And that's all I have for you this week, folks. Kyle, why don't you tell us all about the latest STO updates
0: and announcements? Let's dig into some updates. So the first one I have here is coming from Spencer Dinwiddie's fundraising platform called Dream FanShares. Which seems to be undergoing a complete overhaul and rebrand. So, following the lackluster reception of Dinwiddie's first tokenized deal, which was a 5% bond collateralized by his own three year NBA contract, it looks like he's reevaluating his strategy. Dreamfan Shares was supposed to be the platform where all athletes and celebrities in Dinwiddie's network would go to tokenize their cash flows. But according to an email sent out announcing the launch of Creators Galaxy, The email was brief, declaring that, quote, Today we enter our next chapter. I'd like to introduce you to the Creator's Galaxy. All of our previous hard work was building to an experience where anyone could interact and incentivize their communities. We're forever thankful for all the support and look forward to providing you updates in the coming weeks. Apparently, they will be calling this new platform the Galaxy. Not Galaxy, not Creator's Galaxy, (laughs) but Galaxy and it seems to be positioning itself as a similar service as his previous attempts with Dream FanShares, but as we can see, I think it's more focused around engagement with communities instead of fundraising from those communities. So best of luck to Spencer in moving forward with his vision, and we hope that he has much success in the future.
1: Got a big brand. He made a lot of waves with his first tokenization. So, definitely wish him the best of luck with Galaxy here. And we'll see, you know, there's not really much more that we know about this. So, who knows what will actually become of this platform.
0: Hopefully, he still finds ways to integrate security tokens. And hopefully, we can get updates on the issuance of his Spencer Dinwiddie security token because they did hit their soft cap. They did, you know, fundraise for that. And they should be issuing those tokens in the next, you know, I guess six to eight months, depending on when the lockup ends. Indeed. Moving forward, last week, INX announced that it had reached its soft cap for its tokenized IPO to launch a security token exchange. Accessible by retail investors, INX carries a lot of hype, and this is a great signal that the general public was interested in the deal. In addition to just hitting their minimum fundraise amount, which means that the funds have been secured and they will move forward with development once the total fundraise closes, INX also announced that they can now accept crypto investments as well. It seems that one stipulation for accepting Bitcoin, Ethereum or stablecoins was that the firm needed to raise their soft cap in fiat first, triggering a new set of opportunities. In the press release confirming seven and a half million had been raised, INX mentioned that over 3000 retail and accredited investors had registered for the INX token offering in just the first three days, suggesting that many of those investors were participating in the deal. As a publicly registered company, INX cannot disclose their raised total in real time, but this was certainly seen as a very positive signal in that direction. However, on the same morning as that announcement post, we also saw a press release by Alabs declaring that they had officially closed $7.5 million of investment into INX. This very well could have been closed weeks ago and the team synced up press releases accordingly, but it is also interesting timing and interesting insight into how much demand INX may have seen from those 3,000 registered investors. Here's hoping that they can continue the positive momentum that they've built so far and that they can keep the fundraise going. There's only, they only have about 110 million to go. Next in the update segment is Wave Financial, who launched a Kentucky whiskey tokenized fund that we covered earlier this year. And so Benjamin Sai, the president and managing partner of Wave Financial, announced via a securities.io article last week that, quote, for investors to gain exposure to real assets that have impressive investment fundamentals such as whiskey is very difficult, but is now possible via our fund. Following the launch in March, we are delighted to have completed our first tranche of time sensitive capital raise and purchased a thousand barrels of physical premium Kentucky bourbon whiskey on behalf of our investors. Wave Financial is expecting to tokenize between 10,000 to 20,000 bottles. And the current crop of 1,000 only represents 5 to 10% of that stated goal. So a very interesting use case, but it's great to see the team is making progress. They're raising funds and the best of luck for them moving forward. In terms of a new security token offering, we start with the Dutch foundation from HEMA. So HEMA is a retailer with over 700 locations in the Netherlands and is facing a serious debt mountain of over 880 million euros with mounting pressure from controlling private equity firm, Lion Capital. And so what happened is an independent group formed the HEMA foundation to raise funds to buy shares and turn them into a tokenized depository receipt in attempts to save the brand by turning it into a multi-stakeholder cooperative By 2026, according to investopedia, the direct definition for a depository receipt is a certificate issued by a bank representing shares in a foreign company traded on a local stock exchange. The representing shares in a foreign company are then traded on a local exchange and the depository receipt gives investors the opportunity to hold shares in the equity of a foreign company and gives them an alternative to trading on an international market. So it seems like a depository receipt is actually just a wrapper on top of stock or equity, allowing it to be traded on another exchange, which might sound familiar because of security tokens. That's essentially what we're trying to do. The sale of an exchange will enable both large and small investors to buy community shares as of Monday, and anybody can subscribe for these HEMA shares via an exchange, which you may recognize that name because Startup Bootcamp is trading on an exchange is a fast growing tech exchange based out of Netherlands. The minimum subscription amount is 10 euros. And so for amounts invested way larger than that, they can actually register as a public offering. The fundraise is going to actually go towards a SPAC, which is then going to seek to acquire the company from Lion Capital, at which point they can run the business or resell to a better managing partner. So this is a very complicated deal, but essentially they're just trying to fundraise to then take the company back from the private equity firm that has seized control and seems to be running this place, running the business into the ground. So it's a very institutional use case using an exchange, which is a leading security token exchange in Europe. And I'm going to keep you posted on the progress moving forward. You better believe it.
1: Fascinating. Big numbers, SPACs, security tokens, foreign exchanges, security deposit receipts. Yeah, this is definitely a... Fascinating deal. I think you've laid it out really well, though. Really interesting use case, uh, first of its kind as far as I know, given uh, using a security token.
0: Yeah, yeah. A hostile takeover via a security token and uh, depository receipts. We'll have to see how that works. And then finally, we have DX1, which is a crypto research company analyzing trading data and blockchain transactions for the crypto space. And they have successfully raised over a million euros via a security token offering. So the DX1S security token is regulated under the financial monetary authority of Liechtenstein and provides investors with a 25% revenue share via monthly dividends. So the company also launched a utility token as well to assist with trading pairs on a crypto exchange that they've built. But that's about all we had from the press release. They, they also noted that their prospectus was approved by Germany's financial, uh, you know, BaFin from Germany, which is their SEC, the FMA from Liechtenstein, the FMA from Austria and the FMA from Switzerland. So they got wow. many regulators to look this over and approve it. Um, and uh, so congratulations to DX1 for launching the DX1S security token. And when that goes live on exchanges, you better believe you'll find it here first. And moving into the market update, we have a great Crown Fund Insider article by Omar Faridi regarding the security token market and the explosive trading volumes we saw in August. He does a great job of writing content on the industry, covering the biggest moves and developments, while also citing a lot of our market data in his reports. He's also very passionate about the space. And when I reached out to him for a comment on the industry, he told me, quote, The security token space is growing steadily with companies like TZERO laying some of the important groundwork the sector needs to grow in a sustainable manner. This year has been really challenging for industry participants due to COVID-19 outbreak and the resulting socioeconomic uncertainty. However, certain blockchain and fintech industry segments such as security tokens continue to gain market share because they're focused on offering compliant products and services which ensure consumer protection and gain investor confidence. So thank you so much to Omar for all his work that he does in the industry helping to push this stuff forward. And we look forward to the next articles that he posts. And finally, we have Jonah Schulman's coverage of the security token market in August. In his article, he covers a few main points. The first one is that security token trading volume increased by 112 times in 2020. Next, he dives into the underlying asset of the St. Regis Hotel and the history behind its ownership. And finally, discusses the updates from Realty and ponders the slow month from real estate on the secondary market. Definitely an interesting read. I learned a lot about the St. Regis by reading this article, and I think you may like it too. Moving into the secondary market in terms of the trading stats, the total security token market cap is up 25% to $550 million this month. After a slow week for overstock, it bounced back strong this week, as well as T0, which continues its tear, and the two once again lead the industry forward. We started off with T0, which is up 37% this week, nearing just about $8. So as a reminder, this token launched over 18 months ago, or almost two years ago now at $10 in its primary sale. So that's the next target that we're trying to hit from a price perspective is if we can get past that $10, then any investor would be very happy to see all of the additional value T0 has created. Overstock also performed very well, up 25% this week, reaching $64.50. Closing the arbitrage gap significantly with its public market variant. Currently trading at just over $70, the Overstock common shares are now within 10% of Overstock's security token. This is fantastic news and continues to prove the growing confidence in security tokens despite Overstock's underwhelming September performance. The security token price continues to close the gap with the public stock, which is a great indicator for our industry, especially coupled with the T0 brokerage news that Herwig covered earlier. Finally, real estate rebounded very well too with the average property up 7% this week with eight out of nine properties up in total this week with four seeing double-digit growth. The one property down was Fullerton Avenue, which is a property that had the fire, which likely explains the drop. But remember that that fire damage is covered by insurance, so one should expect that price to bounce back up once we see those three months' repairs. And with that, that's about it from the market. Let's move right into the uh, main topic.
1: Well, another week of industry progress, I think, Kyle. It's, it's going really great. And good job, Jonah, on that report there. I'm looking forward to reading that. And you know, we're seeing regulators are modernizing, SEOs are making moves, and the secondary market is roaring. So, uh, you know, as you said, let's get into the main topic.
0: Yeah, I think this is a fun one. Everyone always complains about crypto because you can get hacked. And if you lose your wallet or your keys, you lose it forever. You know, the absolute nightmarish problems in crypto.
1: Nightmarish is probably an understatement when you're potentially talking about millions of dollars worth of crypto that have simply been lost by some people. And that's why this week's topic is all about making sure that everyone in the security token space really understands that you can't experience these same issues with security tokens.
0: You can't lose what you're legally entitled to. And today's capital market infrastructure is designed to make sure there is accountability in knowing who owns what. The good old days of you losing your stock certificate are long gone. And when it comes to security tokens, it really is no different. So I think the easiest way to
1: clarify this is just by using some examples, right? So Kyle, I just bought some security tokens from you. I took the tokens you gave me and transferred them to a wallet that supports the security token. Let's say it's some BCAP tokens in my Coinbase custody account. God forbid, Coinbase just got hacked or had an issue internally. And let's say in this scenario, I lost
0: access to my wallet. What gives? A terrifying event for anyone holding their crypto assets with Coinbase, but only a mere hindrance for anyone who had security tokens with them. In this exact scenario where you don't have access anymore, it's easy to solve. And let's break into why. Back when I may have first transferred you those security tokens, there was a smart contract that updated the registrar and ledger, noting that you are now the beneficial owner of those tokens, not me. In the event of a hack or someone stealing those tokens, we would just enact a simple option provided by many security token providers, which is to simply reissue your tokens. So when this happens, those stolen or locked up tokens sitting in Coinbase or a new wallet if a hacker stole it, are then blacklisted and burned becoming useless. But recorded on the blockchain specifically that those tokens with those serial numbers are nullified. And now the issuer or the token issuance platform more specifically would mint new tokens assigned to you with a new serial number and all that kind of stuff and would send you a qualified wallet of your choosing.
1: Well, that makes total sense to me, I think. Uh, But the easiest way to summarize what you said uh, is you know, with crypto is the ownership of the asset depends on the location where they're stored. For a security token, the ownership of the asset depends on the individual who owns the asset, irrespective of the location, if you will, that it's custodied. You did mention, though, a wallet of your choosing, too. You know, that needs to be qualified. What do you
0: mean by that? Any wallet that supports the blockchain protocol used by the issuer can be used to custody security tokens, but it's not that simple. In order to hold a security token in a wallet, it must have gone through the proper compliance and authentication, Essentially, we need to link that wallet to an investor's identity to make sure they qualify for the security token that they're trying to hold. So your wallet would be linked to the the necessary compliance features like KYC and identification checks so that your wallet can be eligible for the receiving of those security tokens. Exactly.
1: So, you know, because of these steps, the issuer and the security token technology was able to identify me as the beneficial owner on record and therefore easily reissue my tokens as long as I link that wallet to me, of course. So let's review a different scenario. What happens when someone tries to transfer my tokens out of the wallet if they somehow got access?
0: Well, as we first discussed, the other wallet would need to be eligible to receive the tokens first. So already in this regard, that means we can identify who the tokens were transferred to foiling most plans for hackers and thieves because there would always be a real world paper trail tied to any transactions that they were able to perform. You'd need to fool the KYC AML solutions, fool the exchanges or intermediaries and fool the individual themselves. It's like people's brokerage accounts getting hacked. It's not necessarily impossible, but tremendously difficult to get away with because of the record. This is the same technological process that allows for all the efficiencies we consistently preach each week on the podcast. The automation allows for things to happen quicker, but it also prevents operations from occurring unless they've correctly followed the standard of operations. It's secure by design.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's a really great article that came out last week on the block crypto that goes over how Tether is able to use similar controls to burn and retrieve people's stolen or lost USDT coins. So if you're a subscriber to that, I definitely recommend checking that article out, but it preaches the same tools and benefits we're talking about right now, which is that you'll always be able to claim your tokens and anyone attempting to steal and liquidate them, it will be very, very tricky. Uh, In any regard. So all in all, security tokens are at least far, far, far safer than crypto and concerns about security, though, not completely unwarranted. They're strongly mitigated
0: thanks to these built in safeguards security tokens bring. And I think with that, that's about the end of our main topic segment. I want to remind everybody that you can listen to any of these podcast episodes through Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or YouTube. But on YouTube, we not only have the full-length episodes, we also publish the main topic segments, that 10 or 15 minutes of goodness at the end that never ages. You can listen to any of the different episodes that are nice and put together in little playlist that you can you can sort between and listen to anything we've talked about for the last 61 episodes there on YouTube.
1: And of course, if you have any questions or feedback, you can always reach out to Kyle or myself directly, Twitter, LinkedIn, wherever, or engage with the rest of the community at stomarket.com slash news. You can go submit your own articles, comment, ask questions. We'll be there certainly to engage with the rest of everyone else in the community. So Looking forward to hopefully catching you next week on Tuesdays. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much.